Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MyFit Podcast, hosted by fitness coach, business owner, and CrossFit Games athlete, DJ Hillier. Physical fitness and podcasting are two of his life passions, and his goal is to train, educate, and inspire those who want to improve their general health. These podcasts are designed to help everyone, from the occasional gym member trying to improve their overall wellness, to the fitness enthusiast. The episodes capture a wide spectrum of topics, including training, coaching, nutrition, entrepreneurship, relationships, and mindset. Follow the show on Instagram at the MyFit Podcast and subscribe to his newsletter at djhillier.com. So let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Happy New Year and welcome back to another edition and another year of the MyFit Podcast. This week on the show, I'm accompanied by Kendra Hall. Kendra is a Wall Street Journal bestselling author, highly sought after keynote speaker, and chief storytelling officer at Success Magazine. Kendra's work and research is entirely focused on the power of storytelling and how utilizing stories both professionally and personally can yield significant positive results. Kendra also has a brand new book coming out January 11th that can be purchased wherever books are sold. I was fortunate enough to get an advanced copy of the book. The book is titled Choose Your Story, Change Your Life. It's a phenomenal book and a concept that really... uh uh, attracted me because I just really understand and I'm really interested to hear more about the inner voice, how to improve the inner voice. The stories that we tell ourselves are so important. And we've touched on this numerous times on the podcast. And I wanted to finally talk to somebody who has dedicated really their professional life to storytelling. And Kendra was the perfect person to sit down and talk with. So we talked about the book, of course, the other subjects we got into were why is storytelling so important? Why should people be focusing on this? And why should, why should she write a book about this? Why is it so important? After that, we talked about how other people's stories impact your own. Then we talked about advice for parents and coaches for creating a positive story for their children. As we know, a lot of the stories that influence who we become actually start at a very young and early age. It's a very pivotal part of our lives when we're growing up. And I was curious for the coaches out there and the parents, how can we help to kind of be ahead of that ball a little bit and create a positive story for our kids? After that, we talked about what comes first, the event or the story. Then we talked about understanding Kendra's four-part storytelling process, which she goes through in the book. And then we talked about how we can improve the tone of the story that we tell ourselves. I think we've all been in conversation before where um, the person that we're listening to sounds really negative and mad because their tone just really gives that way. In reality, they might not actually be feeling that way, but it's the tone that they're giving off. And in reality, that's also how storytelling works. Uh, we could be telling ourselves a somewhat happy story, but if the tone is negative, uh, it's going to have a negative connotation, kind of a sour uh, taste in our mouths because of it. So phenomenal book. I really enjoyed it. It comes out one week from today, January 11th. Uh, the book drops. You can buy it wherever you get books. You can go check out um, Kendra at KendraHall.com. Also follow her on Instagram. She posts some really great stuff and that's at Kendra Hall. Go check out the book, Choose Your Story, Change Your Life. If you enjoyed this episode, it really takes a great deep dive into how we can ultimately choose our own story and live a more freeing life. If you guys enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a rating and review as that makes my day and helps the show grow tremendously. Thank you all for the continued support. I'm excited to kick off the new year with this great episode with Kendra Hall.
Enjoy the show and let's go. Indra Hall, welcome to the My Fit Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Uh, DJ, I'm so thrilled. I, I just, I can't wait. I can't wait to be here with you. Awesome. I got a chance to kind of be in the special group of people to uh, pre-order and read your book ahead of time. We're going to go through that today a little bit. Um, yeah, the book is called Choose Your Story, Change Your Life. It's an incredible read. I I whipped through it and I'm not much of a reader myself, but I really enjoyed it. I think before we get into the book though, Kendra, we need to talk about, we need to talk about you. We need to talk about your your title is, is a professional storyteller, probably the coolest job title I've ever heard. Tell me about what is that and was there a story in your life that shaped you to become a professional storyteller? Let's hear a little bit about yourself. I mean, that's a big question, but but yeah, you know, I think all of us when we when we look at where we are today, whatever those titles may be, there are there are a set of stories, a series of stories. And it always seems to happen when you look back on your life um, that you can find the stories that you didn't know at the time were leading you to where you are right now. But when you look back, you're like, oh, yeah, that was one of those uh, turning point moments. So there were several of them for me. I discovered my love of story and really the understanding of the power of story at a very young age. I told my first story when I was 11. It was an assignment for fifth grade. Um, and I remember telling a story. It was to a third grade classroom and watching watching the kids in the room it just just stare at me like i held them in the palm of my hand and um i went on to compete on the speech team yes very popular uh and st- worked with a storytelling there i told stories at the minnesota state fair uh in the talent show like it, that was a little bit of a rebel move because usually it's just like singers and and cloggers you know the tap dancers so then there was the storyteller and um really all throughout i stories were a part of my life but if i'm completely honest i did not think that it would become a career. I thought it was something that I did for for fun or in some cases, like as a party trick. I remember in college, I wanted to be in the talent show at college, but it was a musical college. Um, And so I couldn't sing. So I finally decided I'll tell a story because I thought it would be a good way to meet boys. Like I just didn't. It wasn't. And it wasn't until... um, you know, as I grew, I continued to study stories. Uh, I wrote my thesis. My master's thesis was about storytelling and organization, but I, in organizational culture, but I'll say I was working as a VP of sales. Um, and I, that's what I wanted, like this big professional job where I'd drive a sports car and wear high heels. Like I, I'd made it. That's what I was doing. And I had a friend of mine, um, from high school. He was actually an old high school boyfriend, but we had stayed, we had stayed in touch. And he reached out because he had just finished his like bar exam. And he was applying to, you know, work at a couple of firms. And he wanted to put me down as a reference. And and I remember, you know, in the email exchange, I said, of course. And he said, what should I put down as your title? And he like named a few things. And I said, no, none of that. Cause it was like storytelling. I don't know. It was, I'm like, no, I'm a VP of sales. Like put that down. That sounds awesome. And he wrote back and said, okay, I just think that professional storyteller is really, is really the thing that makes you stand out. Mm. And I remember getting in my cute little 
sports car. Uh, I had to switch out of my high heels and into flip flops because I mm-hmm. never figured out how to drive the car with heels on. Um, and I remember driving home and actually the song that came on the radio was my heart will go on, which was our song mm-hmm. in high school. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I felt like it was very much a sign. Um, and I realized in that moment that maybe I should stop running from this thing that I has always been a part of me. Um, and, and so I quit my job uh, and pursued a career as a professional storyteller. Now there is no roadmap for that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's led me here to, with a couple of books now and, and talking, talking to you. So. Awesome. Oh man. Very cool. I want to, I want to dive in to the story. So Kendra, where do our stories originate from? I think if we're going to set the table here. We got to start at the beginning. Where do our stories start? Well, they, they start within us. So as part of like, this is one of the incredible things about humans, the human species. This is what makes us who we are is, is throughout the course of evolution, we discovered how we were able to come together in tribes and, and communicate outward information about, you know, that very kills people and and this animal is you know will bite your head off if it's hiding behind a bush um and in that in that evolution not only were we developing outward stories and communication and sense making and you know kind of putting our outward lives into place but we also developed this scale of inward storytelling of of looking at the world around us and seeing our place in it and and if i do if i do this it's okay and if i do that i'll be shunned and our so our stories come from just the most inner most natural most basic place within us which means that we often don't even realize they're there. Like you don't pay attention to your heartbeat necessarily. Just not now. If you're, if you're working out, you're watching your heart rate, right? Or breathing. You don't pay attention to breathing unless you're paying attention to your breathing. These are things that happen, happen automatically. Um, and of course, then we pay attention to our heart rate because we can optimize our lives if we're watching the way that our heart works. We pay attention to our breathing because we can optimize our well-being based on, on the breath that we're taking. But what we don't always do is pay attention to that same type of automation that's happening, which are the stories in our heads. And so, you know, what ends up happening is those stories are there, but we don't necessarily optimize them. And even worse, they can end up working against us. Those stories too, Kendra, they end up shaping our reality. You talked about this in in our book too, in your book that, you know, over time, you know, you start to tell yourself this story and it gets repetitive and then maybe your parents tell you, and then all of a sudden, whether it's true or not, here we are, it's reality. How, tell me about that process and, and kind of what you've learned in your research about how the stories become our reality. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's an, it's a funny thing because in my first book and in my, before I wrote, 
uh, Choose Your Story, Change Your Life, I was talking about the um, the power of outward storytelling and what makes a story great, mm-hmm. uh, what makes a story stick, what makes it resonate, and that there are these components and that there are these, you know, these natural things that a story has. And that's true of outward stories. And that's also true of our inward stories. Like we, when we have an experience in our life, we remember the details, especially if it's a really emotionally charged moment. It, it, it stands out. Now, again, it stands out. It gets buried. Like you're not thinking about it every day, but your brain doesn't let go of it. It becomes part of your processing. It becomes one of the stops on that neural pathway as you're, as you're determining what actions to take or, or who you want to become. So for example, um, there, as I was doing my research, I was, I had a group of participants and I was taking them through the method that I outline in the book and they were all there. There were, uh, a large group of them or there were several of them that one of the stories or one of the areas of their life that they wanted to improve was their health and well-being. Um, And so one of the steps is to go back and unautomate the stories that we're telling ourselves. And they were shocked at the things they could remember. Like one woman remembered um, way in day at school and she had just happened to mature faster than anybody else. And they would weigh, and this is, you know, back in the eighties, they would weigh the classroom, everybody in front of each other. And she remembers exactly what she was wearing. She remembers her Jordan sneakers. She remembers exactly how the kids made fun of her, what they said, the name of the boy, the first and last name of the boy that was so mean to her. And, you know, I think back, I have one of those, I have several of them, but one of the stories in my history of who I am physically, right? Uh, And what I'm capable of, you know, for talking fitness Mm -hmm. is, in first grade when we had to do, oh, you'll remember this, uh, the uh, physical fitness tests. Mm-hmm. You remember those? So it was like the shuttle run yes. and the V sit and reach. Do you yep. remember all you of these? Yep. <laughs> and, and mine was the pull-ups. Like you had, you remember the, the pull-ups and mm-hmm. everybody lines up and you have to do the pull-ups. Now our pull-ups happened out on the um, re- like out on the playground and it was just this metal bar over like a pit of gravel and everyone lined up and of course there were the kids that were just like one, two, three, four and everybody was chanting. We were all in a line. We were all chanting, like counting the, the thing and then it was my turn and I remember exactly where the teacher, the PE teacher was sitting. She had this like gray, tight, curly hair. She had her little clipboard and I remember I was wearing this um this little skirt that my mother had made, it had like, it was blue, but it had little like elephants and like little circus animals on it. Skirt wasn't a, the best thing to wear on pull-up <laughs> day. And, and I jumped up and grabbed onto the bar and like tried to pull myself up. And, and I, I couldn't, mm-hmm. like I could not, I couldn't, 
like now, even as I'm thinking, I'm thinking about the effort. I remember I was like kicking my legs and squeezing my butt and, and all of like anything to, and all of the kids behind me were trying to count. They were like, Ooh, like I couldn't even, and I just, and then I started flailing and I finally like let go dramatically falling in this pile of gravel. I'll never forget. And this, my skirt came up so they could see my underpants and it was it was just the most mortifying experience. And it's one of those experiences that you would forget in a way, right? Like I don't walk around thinking about pull-up day, but all it takes is to say to myself, what are some of the limiting stories that I have about what I'm capable of physically? Like if I'm starting my, if I'm starting my fitness journey or if I don't want to, you know, if I want to give up in the middle of it, my exercise of choice is spin. If I want to give up in the middle of the class, that story is there. And, and for a long time, I just told myself I'm not an athlete. I'm, I'll never be an, I've never been an athlete. I'll never be an athlete. And so I never was. Now that works when you're young, but then you get to college and you just eat everything. And, and if you don't even know how to get on an elliptical machine because you're not an athlete and so you never tried it, led to some serious issues. Um, and so that was a story. And of course, there were a series of stories that led to me reaching kind of like a breaking point of, okay, I... I have to either let go of these stories or find some different ones because this is not who and where I want to be. Mm-hmm. A long answer to a short question, but that's one of the ways. It seems, yeah, it seems like, Kendra, that the stories impact, they start when we're young, right? And, and that can shape us to who we are. So then my question, my response would then be, what, what advice, Kendra, are you giving to parents and coaches specifically who are have kids or are coaching kids if we know the impact when they're getting their 20s 30s 40s 50s if we know the impact is so great then what are the advice you're giving to people that are working at a very pivotal age uh as kids are growing up oh my gosh this is like this is this is the next book dj <laughs> perfect uh, i'm ahead of yeah it. <laughs> yeah this is the next book but but you know what there are certain realities like i could not do a pull-up I wasn't strong enough to do a pull up. And and I think that as parents, as coaches, one of the most important things, since we know how important stories are, um, one of the most important things we can do is to help equip our children, the people that we're leading and guiding and shaping, whether they're children or they're adults that you're trying to lead, guide and, and shape is to... To know that these negative, sto- here's the thing, negative stories are a part of our life, you know, and like that story happened. That was true there. And, but, and this is what the whole, the whole like fulcrum point of the book is, is there are also stories that you can choose to tell yourself. And, and knowing that as, as a, as a coach, as a parent, is to always be on the lookout for a a good story you can equip your child with. Mm-hmm. Um, because remember, our life just goes on and we we forget, we forget the things that happen 
on the surface, right? Our brain holds on to them. And we also have a negativity bias. So we're going to remember the negative experiences more. So as a coach, as a parent, as a leader, anytime you see a positive thing where they like exhibit some of their their own strength or their unique strength or they show their resilience or whatever it is to to grab that moment and retell it back to that person because in doing so you are now giving them a story that they can put on the front of their minds mm-hmm. and retell it to themselves and then rewire or shape in the first place their default stories that they that they come back to. So I do this all the time with my with my kids. Anytime I see a hardship that they overcame or uh, something courageous that they did, I mark that story down, I retell it to them because you're creating this scaffolding so that they can that they can then hang the positive aspects of their life to. Mm-hmm. Is it interesting to you? It's interesting to me that I think a lot of the stories come from um, failure. And you talk about your pull-up experience, right? To some, that would be a failed uh, rep. You weren't able to do it. You look back at that with kind of a negative connotation. So then I'm curious, what's the right story to tell after failure? How can we spin things to make things a little bit better? Or is it, you know, maybe basically the better question is, how do you view failure from a storytelling standpoint? Yeah, this is one of my, this is, I feel that this is the secret to life, honestly. And that Listen, is, turn it up, turn it up. Yeah, right. <laughs> like I, I really, I really do is that again, failure will happen. This is, this is not the, this is, this is not a book. I'm not here to teach you that you, you won't fail. Uh, in fact, I hope that you do because. A failure, you can decide what you get to choose what a failure is. Is a failure the end of the story? And this is where failure becomes a problem for people. This is where it becomes a stopping point. This is where it becomes a block. This is what this is when a failure happens and and it's on the path to something you really want to make a better version of yourself. If you let that be a stop, then where else are you going to go? Um, so instead of seeing failure as the end of a story, to see it as the middle, like to see it as the, well, that did not turn out <laughs> how I hoped it would. That was embarrassing. That was maybe you're mad at yourself because you hadn't put in the effort or, or, or the failure was a result of your own doing whatever it is. A failure is, can be exciting then because it's like, all right, so how is this story going to turn out? And, and, and I think that when you approach your life that way, it helps to a dissolve the fear of failure. Fear is a big inhibitor to achieving whatever it is you're looking for, but B once you have the failure, it reduces the amount of time that you wallow in it and let it be, you know, like the anchor that keeps you frozen in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just the other, just the other day I had what you would consider 
of failure. It was one of those things that just like it stung. It, you know, it made me question myself and even my work. I mean, it was it was just one of those things. And and I felt it like I'm not saying I'm immune to the pain of failure. Um, but because I've been practicing this method in my life for so long, the that negative, you know, that feeling, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. that like oh, that gr- that mm-hmm. just like feeling of failure. It only it didn't linger. It was only there for like, gosh, I want to say like 20 minutes mm-hmm. that I was like, God, that really. Uh. But some people, they spend their whole life there. Yes. And so if I'm only there for 20 minutes and then I can say, well, you know what? It's funny that they said that because actually it means this and like, won't it be great on the other side? And then I can move on with with my life. Like I can move on to. So if I spend 20 minutes in that like ugh, place of failure, I've got an entire lifetime to to get out of it. And so that's why I say, like, I think that is the secret to life. and that is a secret where storytelling helps. It's like, all right, this is, this is the middle of the story. Mm -hmm. Let's see how this bad boy turns out. Here's the good news. If let's say, let's say your goal was to whatever it is, whatever the thing that you failed at was, maybe it was that you were going to run um, a half marathon and you got injured somewhere in the middle. You had to bow out. You were really frustrated about that. And you're like, that is a failure. And you're like, well, fine. Then someday I'm going to finish that half marathon and I'm going to feel so great about it. And that'll be the rest of the story. I'll make it that much more dramatic. But then let's say you don't end up running another half marathon because you really get into road biking or maybe you decide that you're going to start dancing instead. Or And so and so that failure, maybe it doesn't come full circle in an obvious way, but it goes away that that the the um control it has over your life dissolves because it doesn't matter anymore so so that's the other good news is maybe the story never turns out happily ever after exactly you know in a directional way but there's another roundabout that makes that failure irrelevant in the first place and how true is it too, Kendra, that people see stories differently? You see somebody, you, I go back to your Pollock example, because I, I'm, I'm envisioning myself back in, in grade school doing that too. And, and to some people, that's a really big deal that affects them for many years. For other people, it's a totally different, it's a, it's a, it was a motivator for them. I know there's a, there's a picture I saw one time that I could never get out of my head. It was two men sitting on a bench and one, one guy said, you know, my, my dad was, it was an alcoholic. So I had no choice, but to be an alcoholic, the twin brother next to him said, my dad was an alcoholic. I had no, I had no choice, but not to be an alcoholic. Two different ways to see life as they grow up. People see stories so differently. They're impacted so differently. Talk to me a little bit about what comes to mind when you kind of hear that story and you just hear how people are impacted differently, even though they might have the same upbringing. They might be twins. They might be growing up in the same household, but people see life so differently. Yeah. I think the key word there that you said in that example of the two men sitting on the bench is choice. And and that's actually why it wasn't, you know, as we were talking about the title for this book, for example, um, it would make sense to call it change your story, change your life. Um, But for me, like there are some things that you can't change, Mm -hmm. you know, like the example on the bench, they, they are children of alcoholic and alcoholic or alcoholics, whatever it is like you can't 
change that. So this isn't about changing those stories, right? It's about choosing. And and that 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 act of choice, I think is the most important thing in in life in general. Like you get to and you get to choose what you do. You get to choose what you do with that. And for some people that um the the choice to hang on to the the negative it is a choice that serves them. Maybe maybe it helps them in some other way or or whatever it is. But if that and, and so this is a big part of of what I teach is that to ask yourself the question like what do I want for my life and does the choice that I'm making about these stories serve me or is it holding me back and and that that that's it right there like we you it is up it is up to you and so yeah we all see stories really differently um and the way that you see it matters Mm -hmm. and you get to choose how you see it Mm. and i mean that's the choice is yours like i can't but 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 the choice is what matters Mm -hmm. So how, this might be a tough question, but taking it a step further, how do you do that? How, how do you reframe your thinking to, to me, it's almost like you're seeing everything as a positive in a sense, or you're trying to pull out the silver lining and everything that happens. Are there some tactical ways that you like to use and teach to your clients on some of this stuff? Yeah. And, and I do think like, this is one of my, I, um, (laughs) it's something that I've struggled with honestly, is that I am just an optimist. Mm -hmm. Like I choose, I just do, I I just want to see the better side of the story, right? And like the more productive side, like, and again, not to ignore the bad stories, they're there, but what can I then do with it? Like, what can I, how can I like turn, take this straw or this pile of whatever and turn it into something for good. Um, now, again, yeah, just saying that just sounds like, look at the bright side, end totally. of the book. Like that wouldn't be a very good book. So there are a few. So I lay out a four-step method. And the third step in the method is called choosing. It's it's the choose step where, where after you've caught some of your limiting beliefs, your limiting stories, that's step one. After you analyze them, you figure out where they've come from. Are they true? Why are they here? What price do I pay for them? The third step. So you have a good sense of where you're coming from, like what you're made of. The third step is choosing, choosing stories that serve you. And, and I outline a few different options that you have. Number one, you can simply replace the the negative story. So for example, if I go back to the pull-up store, good thing I told you that story because otherwise what would we be talking about here? <laughs> but if I go back to that pull-up story or let's let's say that I um that I endeavored to do something big physically. Like my husband just ran the New York City Marathon. I have a thought that maybe I want to run the marathon. I've had this thought on multiple occasions that I want to run a marathon. Um, And I can feel the old stories creeping in, right? And that pull-up story is just one of the examples. And so to say, well, I can't do, I've never, that's just not my gift. Well, those stories aren't serving me if what I really want is to run a marathon. So instead, I need to replace those stories 
with stories that do serve me, like the time that I started going to spin class and um, did a three hour ride for a charity event and felt strong and healthy all the way through. You know, another I could replace it with the time that I ran the I ran a half marathon. Here's the crazy thing. I forget that I ran a half, like I completed a half marathon. I, I, cause again, we have a negativity bias. So I, I, I have completely forgotten about that experience, but if I want, you know, if this is my goal, then I need to replace the stories that are telling me what I don't have with the stories of telling me what I do have. So that's one of them. Um, you can reinterpret some of your, stories like if you just tilt them slightly differently you'll see them in a different way Mm -hmm. right like we all like a story that happened when you were in first grade you're not the same person you were when you were a first grader right so so to reinterpret like what like what was that story about and actually how could i use that as story for fuel for me now. Um, You can, this is a method I call rerouting. So if you have a specific goal, but let's say you've never done it before. Like, let's say you want to lose 50 pounds and you know what that requires, right? It requires discipline. It requires sacrifice. It requires it requires community. It requires a lot of things. You've never lost 50, 50 pounds before, so you can't draw on a story from your past of when you lost 50 pounds. But this is where I say we reroute. So what are some of the other things that you have done in your life that required those same things? What's something that you have accomplished in your life that required discipline. Maybe it was studying for a big, you know, the big bar exam. Um, something that required sacrifice. Maybe you took care of an ailing uh, relative, right? And you sacrificed things in order to be there for that person. So you know you're capable of sacrifice. So let's reroute that story Mm. and say, I can make these sacrifices now for myself because I am worth it just like my aging grandmother was. So that's rerouting it. Um, the fourth option is to, I call this re- research. So draw on the other stories of inspiration around you. So for example, um, and I tell this story in the book, you'll remember it. Like I was an overachiever when it came to gaining baby weight. Um, I put on 70 pounds with my first child and I'm five foot four. So that is, that's a, I mean, that was a, again, overachiever. And I was getting nervous, like partway through my pregnancy of what is my, even my husband said, like, he looked at me one day and thought to himself, I don't know if we're ever going to, I don't know if we're ever getting back to where we were. (laughs) I I don't know if this is happening. And you know what? To each their own. This is, of course, not something saying that you have to get back to your pre-body. Again, you get to choose your stories and what feels best for you. But I called a girlfriend of mine who had had a baby and said and had more friends that had babies. And I said, so what happens with baby weight? And she said, well, you just kind of keep 10 pounds per kid. And I was like, hold on, I want to have more than one baby. And I was already like 
you know, five to seven pounds. But I, I can't keep 10 pounds. That doesn't work for me. But I could have kept that story and be like, been like, oh, okay, well, here I am just keeping the 10 pounds. That story didn't serve me. So I went and asked some of the other mothers that were at my spin studio who were in great shape, who were super healthy, who had the kind of life, like health relationship that I wanted. And I asked for their stories and they told them to me. And I used those stories as fuel for my, as I was then losing the baby weight. And then lastly, um, Sometimes you just have to rewrite. You have to write a story that just simply doesn't exist yet. Now, this is the, this is kind of the, um, I would say it is the last effort. You know, like if there really isn't any other thing you can do, if you're going to do this, then make sure that the story that you write as you're picturing your future self, um, is very, very vivid. Like make sure that you can, if it's like, if you have a goal to buy a, a certain house and you just don't have any other stories in your life that can help propel you towards that, then write out exactly where it is on the street and, and what the kitchen looks like. And, you know, that's where we kind of go into the, the visualization. But I always think it's best if you can draw on stories that actually happened from your life. They're true. They're real. And you can use them. Yeah, these are all all super great. I love it. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm writing some of this stuff down, Kendra. I'm thinking uh, it seems like a lot of these ideas and when you're starting to choose your story, a lot of it comes back to having conversations, perhaps journaling. It's probably what I'm thinking is it's more conducive to do some outward stuff rather than just sit and just think and keep it in your head. Have you, do you have any ideas brainstorming things on, is it, is it journaling? Is it talking about, is it therapy? Like what are some of the ways that you've seen best help people when it comes to choosing their story? Yeah, it is. So once you've chosen the story, because remember, go all the way back to the beginning, our stories are automated. Mm -hmm. um, they are on autopilot. They are defaulted. And, and, you know, we've heard about neuropathways and, and reworking that we can rewire our brains, but it does require intentional effort to have these stories these positive stories, these chosen stories as your default. Um, and so that's actually the last step in the process after you've chosen a few of the stories that make you feel like, yeah, I've, I've got this or, or that's how I want to feel again or you know, any of those things that can kind of be your internal mental armor against all the other things that life throws at you, including your own self-doubt. In order for that to be your default, you have to be very intentional about inserting those stories in and reinforcing them. So there, there are a couple of different options for doing this. Um, when I was working, when I was taking my group of uh, participants through the research project and I said, so one of the things I want you to do, to do is to journal. And they all went, oh, and it was funny because they were they were muted on Zoom. So and. And I could still hear them yeah. from across the country, like the collective groan about having to journal. So here's the thing. Fine. I get it. Journaling is a big whatever. Um, 
But there's plenty of research that says putting pen to paper helps get the information more ingrained in your mind, right? Even the act of writing versus typing it out, um, it, it goes more slowly. And that's part of the reason people don't want to do it is because it goes so slow. But the slowness of it, it works to your advantage because it makes you process it further. Um, so, but this isn't just journaling uh, like for, for fun, what we're trying to do here is when you find those chosen stories to write them down so that they become more vivid, so that they so that they take up more space in in our subconscious. So writing it down is really helpful. And it also is helpful then because we have these. You, this happens to me all the time. I have my I have a little notebook here. I'm looking. I have a little notebook where I write down stories that come to me. I text them to me. I email them to myself. I write them in my notes app. Like I have positive stories floating around all over the place. When you write them down in a journal, they're a lot easier than for you to access when you need them. And whether you only need to go back and look at them once a year, maybe you need to go back and reread them every morning, which is something that I recommend as mm. you're trying to install these positive stories. So that's what I, that's what my advice is, is don't just journal, write down the positive story that you found, write down the emotions that you felt, the details, the and I know it'll be annoying, but it'll help reinforce it. And then something else that I recommend is to share these stories out loud, to speak them out loud to someone. Uh, and there are two benefits to this. Number one, the act of speaking it out loud will reinforce it for yourself. Um, but number two, when you share, and, and the hesitancy here, right, is because your chosen stories are going to be good stories. M more than likely. And so you're probably thinking to yourself, well, I don't want to just sit down with a friend and tell them the story of how awesome I am. Yeah. Right. But, but to say, to say, listen, I've been, so you can say, I read this book. I listened to this podcast. I realized that I tell myself terrible stories all day long. So I'm trying to find some good ones. And this is one that I found. And then you can tell it. The benefit there is the person you're telling it to will remember a story of their own, of a time that they overcame an obstacle, or, or maybe it'll raise their awareness to the negative stories they're telling themselves and think what could happen if we were to all change the stories we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. So there's the added benefit of, of speaking it out loud um, to someone else. So, you know, my husband and I, we tell each other our stories all the time. And it's such a beautiful thing to experience that self-discovery, like to see somebody, like I love my husband. I think he's amazing. And I know he doesn't realize how amazing he is. And so when he tells me one of his stories where he realizes that he's amazing, mm -hmm. like what more could you want from a person you love? Sure. And, and so yeah. So tell your stories to people you love. And you know what? The other thing you can do is post them up on Instagram or social media. That's another secret strategy I have. I post some of my favorite stories that I remember of like how far I've come or and and then I go back and reread my own stories. Like that's the that 
the account I look at the most on social media is my own because mm -hmm. if social media is a highlight reel, why not go back and look at all my highlights, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Another part I wanted to get to in your book, I thought this was really cool and it was, it was in the beginning, but you spent a lot of time on it. So I think it's important for, to talk to our listeners about it. And, it. and it's the question of the idea of what comes first, Kendra? Is it the event and then the story or the story, then the event? Kind of illuminate on this for us. Teach us a little bit about the order. Uh, it, it was put so well in the book. So I, I really want to get to that. Yeah. I think that, you know, we often think that, you know, a thing happens, we respond a certain way act, behave, take a certain action, and then we get a result, right? And this, this happens in any area of life. So health and fitness is certainly one of them. Your alarm goes off in the morning. That's the event. Um, you either hit snooze and go back to sleep, or you get up, get out of bed, go get your workout in. That's the response, the action. Um, and then over time, you get the results. So if you continuously hit snooze, um, you're going to get one result. And if you continuously get up and do your early morning workout, you'll get another. It seems really straightforward. Um, and there's a lot of, there's so much talk and research and, and so much exploration right now about, and has been for several years now, about um, habits and changing our habits and how do we, and so much of it, we focus on, and, and then of course, you know this, any of the coaches, trainers who are listening, right? We're trying to help clients change their habits. Where we, where we miss it, where we end up, you know, and maybe eventually we get some traction, but we fall backwards is that we focus on that middle step, the behavior, the, the response, the action without realizing that there is a little split second step in between the event and the response. Right. And that split seconds are the stories we tell ourselves. And again, it just happens automatically. So, so think about it this way. You see, um, you see a beautiful person at a bar or at the gym or, you know, someone you're, you're interested in. Um, that's the event. There they are. And the response, the behavior is either to approach that person or not. Mm -hmm. It seems really simple. We'll just get out there and approach the people, approach the people, approach the people. But inside each of us are the stories of rejection or the stories of, right? And depending on, you know, if you're someone who's like, oh my gosh, I remember when I was, went up to so-and-so on the playground in second grade and they didn't like me. Um, and then I remember that time that I met a girl on, um, I don't even know what the dating apps are. What it's like? Okay, I don't even know. I'm, I don't either. <laughs> I know. So, so whatever the dating app is, and um, I was at the date, and she walked in and saw me and walked right out. Right. So, if those are the stories that you have on repeat, and again, they're just they're just playing. Like you don't have to do anything. You do nothing. Those stories are happening, and so what's the response? You don't approach that person. Right. And then you don't get to meet an interesting person. 
if that is something, if meeting an interesting person is a goal that's in your life and you know that there is this behavior that keeps you from ever going up and talking to someone, then what we need to do is find some better stories to put right between that event and that behavior, stories of um, you... A, a positive relationship that you've had. Uh, you can re you can reroute it of a, a time when you know, like you are the the favorite person on the soccer team. Everybody loves you, you know, like everybody wants to. Co- so why wouldn't this person want to talk to you too? Right? There are if you know that the result you want is to meet an interesting person and fall in love, and and you know that you have a tendency to not act then you know that you need to find some stories that in that split second will lead to the behavior that you want. Did that answer the question? It did. It did. And, and it also makes me think that as I'm listening and kind of like marinating on all this, that a lot of choosing your story and improving your life and all that, it, a lot of it comes back to self-confidence, doesn't it, Kendra? Or building confidence. If you can choose your story, you're going to build your confidence as exactly. a byproduct. What are your thoughts on exactly. that? Exactly. Like that. And again, this is why I believe it is so important to draw on the stories that have happened in your life. Right. And even if there are only even if there's only a couple of them right, that you can think of, but even if they're really, really small, one of the pitfalls in this process is people think that it has to be some big heroic Mm. thing, but Mm. it but it doesn't. It could simply be, you know, that. Uh, uh, the cool girl said yes and came to your birthday party mm-hmm. like if that if you can if that still resonates with you if you were like oh man that was so cool when Jackie came to my birthday party you know like that is that then becomes again it's one of those tools it's one of those stories confidence has to happen true confidence the kind of confidence that people comment on isn't going to come from the outside. It has to come from the inside. Okay. So that's easy to say. So how do you make it come from the inside? You use those outside stories, those things that have happened in your life and you bring them in and you retell them to yourself Mm -hmm. and you will find that the fiber of the fiber of how you see yourself and you see your life will change. That was so in the, I've mentioned this group of participants that I walked through this process. Now it was a small group. So the results are simply directional in nature, but um, they, I had them take a, take a survey. They answered a questionnaire before they started. They went through the process um, and then they answered the same questionnaire at the end of the process. And and the questions that were in there were questions about um, life satisfaction, about um, fear of failure, uh, hope for success, about optimism, and even some about anxiety. You know, just that like that. um, It's kind of like that static that you just hear that little anxiousness that I think is just a part of life right now. I'm not talking about like medically diagnosed, of course, you mm-hmm. go see a, a medical professional for that. But just that 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 extra like zzz, that kind of just exists within all of us. And on the other side of choosing better stories, as you're talking about confidence here, mm-hmm. 
the reporting back of like their satisfaction with life, the the um, the elevated levels of optimism, the decreased amount of fear of failure, and even the reduction in that in that anxiousness, where a lot of that anxiousness comes from a lack of confidence, mm-hmm. right? And and it was a complete shift with something as simple as choosing to look back on your life, distill out some of the good stories and tell them back to yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that what they do with like platelet something? Like I, I saw a fitness person go in and get her blood taken out yeah. and then they swirl it around to make yeah. it, I don't know, they put oxygenated or something and then they put it back and she's like, I feel so much better already. Like this is essentially what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. We're like taking out the good, making sh- like tuning it up, making sure we see it for what it is and then putting it back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things I like to do, Kendra, when I do these interviews is I go on their, uh, the guests, either Twitter account, Instagram account. And I like to scroll through and see what post has had the most engagement. I thought it was very uh, interesting. The one that had the most engagement for you is a powerful quote. And I'd love for you to talk a little about it. It says, quote, comparing yourself to someone else is just a sign that you haven't celebrated your own stories enough. I think this hits really big with fitness enthusiasts, especially in a world today with Instagram, social media. It's super easy to compare yourself to other people. Uh, talk to me a little about this quote and what it means to if you haven't celebrated your own stories enough. I mean, I think that and of course, I know as fitness enthusiasts, like we are, you know, we're always looking ahead. Right. Like we are people that are looking to get better. We're people that want to improve where we're, we don't look back. Right. Um, which in some ways is good. The g- good stuff is ahead of us. But you end up losing touch if you with with where you are now, if you never look back and if you're always focusing on what's ahead, how do you appreciate where you are? And part of one of the ways that you can appreciate where you are is looking back on how far you've come. Mm-hmm. And and it can again, it, I've said it before, I say it a lot. Go small. Like what are some of those those little triumphs that that you've had that were really meaningful at the time. And yeah, maybe they don't mean as much now because you've grown and you're better and your achievements are that you're trying, the things you're trying to achieve are so much grander. But it's kind of like um, when they talk about inflation, right? And a, a Nintendo, I remember I wanted a Nintendo growing up so bad and my parents would not get it for us. And it was only a hundred dollars and they did buy a nordic track that was four hundred dollars and we were like that is four nintendos right but now a hundred dollars that was in the 80s i don't really know how it works but i'm pretty sure it's way more now but that one hundred dollars that nintendo really mattered back when i was in elementary school and so and and so to look back on those um successes and and see them for what they are and know that your life is filled with them. And so, yeah, if you're looking at someone else and comparing yourself to them and, oh, they've done this or they've done that, it just really means that you haven't spent enough time looking at the depth and the breadth of the stories along your journey. I um, This isn't fitness related, but I, I actually posted recently this story that I had remembered about uh, 
there was this guy I was dating and I remember he it was the first time I went over to his house and he like off opened the fridge to offer me a soda. And in the door of his fridge were like four or five bottles of OPI nail polish. So a, I knew that the guy I was dating was likely dating someone else and that she probably lived with him. So that was disgusting. That was the last time I saw him, but B the thought that came to mind was like, Holy cow. How does this woman, I know that OPI nail polish is $7 and 50 cents a bottle. She's got $40 worth of nail polish casually sitting in this jerk's fridge. Like what? And, and I, at that time in my life, I was like, work wasn't great. I was a little lost. I was, I was trying to, and it could be one of those moments where this woman, I don't even know, and then I felt bad for her because the guy she was dating was disgusting. Like, what a jerk. Um, but that I could have been envious because she had this thing that I didn't have. But instead, I said, all right, someday I'm going to have OPI nail polish in my fridge. And then I remember um, bringing my now husband to my apartment for the first time to show him my apartment. And I opened the fridge door. This was several years later. And there was a bottle of nail polish. And he's like, why is there a bottle of nail polish in the fridge? And I was it was OPI nail polish. And I just smiled, like, look at, look how far I've come. And so when you tell yourself those stories, there, there is so much more power. And like, even just telling you that there, I'm like, gosh, I, I love that girl. Cause all of that yeah. happened, you know, now like 15 years ago. And I'm like, man, how can you, I love that girl. And that girl is me. Um, so yeah, anytime I've found that that's a big, that's a great antidote to, uh, and, and comparison can be, you know, looking up to others can be productive, but when you know, when comparison turns sour, right? It's like when you pour the cream into your coffee and it's like clumpy, like that's, you know, when it's gone bad, go back and think about some of your, your small celebrations, tell yourself those stories. Very cool. I recently had uh, Chris Voss on the podcast. I don't, I don't know if you know Chris, but uh, he wrote a book called Never Split the Difference. He's an FBI hostage negotiator. He talks a lot about um, your tone and how tone is very important. And when I'm thinking about telling stories outward, like you're talking to people and you're on stage, your tone is crucial. How does, or is this even making sense that what about the tone that you're telling to yourself? And this kind of goes in the idea of that inner, that self-talk, everybody kind of has that person inside their head. Talk to me a little bit about how does tone play a role, even though it's not um, it's not out loud per se. Yeah, that is such an amazing question. What a beautiful question! And I think it was right there when I said, like, I look back on that woman I was fifteen years ago with um, wonder and appreciation, and I think that the tone. Right. When we're talking about when it's when we're letting our inner critic run the show, like nobody talks to me with that kind of tone in the real world because I would punch them in the face if they talked to me the way I talk to myself when I'm in a negative story spiral. Right. And, and so you're absolutely right. Like the tone in which you speak to yourself really matters. And so I would say that the tone should be one of my, and I don't know that anyone would ever call it tone, but it's 
seems like the right word. And that is with wonder. And, um, you know, like, wow, like wonder for like, I wonder what what's going to happen next or like that kind of like curiosity wonder or just wonder on looking back, like wonder for, wow, I can't believe you did it that way. You know, like that was, that wouldn't be how I would do it now. Um, and wonder of like, it, so if there's a negative story there, right. Cause we're not trying to erase them, but be like, wow, look at who you were then. And look at who we're trying to become a wonder of when you did do something great and say, mm. Oh, look at, so I think wonder is an important aspect, curiosity, a tone of curiosity. Mm. And, and, and that's a key to storytelling, right? Like we're curious. That's why we keep listening to stories is because we're curious of what'll happen next. So a tone of, and again, I don't know that you'd ever use any of these descriptions, these words for tone, but I feel like they're appropriate. And then um, lastly, forgiveness. And I think that forgiveness is so important when you're, and again, I'm not a therapist, I'm just a storyteller, but there are going to be stories in your past where you wished you would have behaved differently um, and stories in your past where you wished someone else had behaved differently. And, you know, you can do what you want with the, the, the stories of other people. But when you look back on your stories, a way to release that weight is to forgive mm. and turn it into something good as a result. Mm. So forgiveness, wonder, curiosity. Were those it? Yeah. 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 That was beautiful. Cool. As we get closer on time here, one of the, one of the stories Kendra that I hear a lot in the fitness space is the idea of you have to be in shape to go to the gym. I can't sign up because I have to be, you know, which, which, you know, you and I both are like rolling our eyes like that's, that's insane, but, but that's also reality, right? That's, that's what we're hearing. So what I would like to do as we close down here is if we could maybe if somebody were to say that to you and we were to go through your four part storytelling process, catch, analyze, choose, install, how would you break apart the idea of you have to, I can't go to the gym because I'm not in shape yet or I'm not in shape. So first of all, I kind of chuckled to myself because as, as recent as like last month, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't go back to spin. Like I can't look at myself in the mirror because I had taken like, a, I had had like a really debaucherous weekend and I'm like, I'm going to go in there and look like the State Puff Marshmallow Man. Like I've got to get in shape before I go back. So, so this isn't just like someone starting from scratch. Like this is something that happens in my own head. Um, so, so yeah. So I think that catching it is like, okay, where, so this is, I have to be in shape in order to go to the gym. That right there is a story that you're telling yourself. So then analyze it. Where does this belief come from? Like, is that actually true? How, who has taught you in your life? Like what stories in your life are saying that you must be presentable in order to go somewhere? Like it, it could be, and it could have nothing to do with going to the gym. Maybe you grew up and um, you went to church a lot with your family. And one time you were told that you had to stay home because you weren't dressed well enough for God and you can't show up for God looking like that. You have to stay home. And you're like, oh, well, you know, if I have to look good for God, I obviously have to look good to go to the gym. You know, like where where does this belief come from? Then 
the most important thing is, and maybe you got, maybe you were made fun of before when you went to the gym. Like, who knows? Who knows what those stories are? Where is this coming from? Then it's time to choose. Because if you want what you get from going to the gym, like if that is part of what, if that is your Emerald City, right? And you, you want what happens when you get to the gym and you feel that way, then it's time to choose. Then it's time to choose better stories. So when is a time where you didn't feel your best, but you went anyway and, and it really wasn't a big deal after all, right? Like maybe it was the, like there was um, an event and you didn't have the, it was a, it was a cowboy event. You didn't have the exact cowboy thing. You were really self-conscious about it, but you went and had a great time, right? So any of those, any of those stories or another time where maybe you can think back to when you had been to the gym, maybe it was a long time ago and you saw someone else there who wasn't in great shape and you thought to yourself, wow, good on them. They're at the gym. Right. So so that why wouldn't someone look at you that way? Um, Or maybe it is time to like if you just can't get around it, then maybe you rewrite your story and you say, all right, I'm going to spend the next week doing circles around my block. All right. I'm going to walk two miles every day and then. I'm going right. And so then you have to visualize the day that you walk into the gym because you've been walking two miles each morning around your block. And so that when you do that, then you walk through the gym and you feel really good and then you can take it from there. And then, of course, the um, the last part is to install a really key part, especially with uh, health and fitness stories, is to look for your trigger moments. Like, what is that moment going to be that is going to keep you from acting. So so let's say maybe it is you get so far as to getting your clothes on and you um and you're like okay I'm going and then you pass by the full length mirror that's on your way out the door and you catch a glimpse of yourself and you're like I can't look at me. This is so embarrassing. I can't. And then you somehow like drift back into your living room and you don't go to the gym. If you know that that is one of the moments that triggers you that then you you don't do the behavior, then put a post it on that mirror that's and star it and say this story, like tell yourself that story or just tell yourself that story. When you're looking in the mirror, you're like, no, no, no. I'm going to tell myself the story of the time I went. And there was that that woman who I know was out of shape, but she was still at the gym. And and then you tell yourself so you can get out the door again. All that's what we need to do is we're trying to get over those stories to use stories so that we can just get out the door mm-hmm. awesome so cool the gym owner me also has to ask from a business standpoint i know you do a lot of work with 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 brands and 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 companies like that how if we know as gym owners that that's the i don't know i don't want to say excuse the story we're hearing yeah what advice would you get to gym owners who are trying to either market themselves brand themselves etc well i think i mean there's so many different like this would be a whole other yeah. conversation <laughs> i know i had to ask but, but but i think one of the things just in in light of in light of this conversation is to not only be monitoring and aware of the stories you tell yourself you as the listener but if you are a gym owner if you're a trainer if you're a coach you're working with clients you see them struggle to know now that it isn't just that that response that behavior that habit if you can help them change their stories, you will help them be more successful ultimately. 
overall. So, so it might mean that as they're doing their reps, be like, Hey, when is another, like, you're looking so strong. Like you're really pushing here. What's another time in your life where you've really pushed? Like, mm-hmm. what, what are some of the other ways that, that you really, and let them tell you their stories. Cause you know, from ha- hearing this conversation that getting them at, to tell their stories out loud will be an important part of reinforcing those stories so that those mm. stories can gradually become the default. And then of course, when it comes to sales and marketing, I mean, that's all storytelling, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Awesome. Well, if the person's driving their car, because I like to close down my podcast like this, they're driving their car. They love, they love you. They love the book. They love everything that we're talking about. And they're thinking, okay, I, I want to do one thing today. One thing that I can do to help ch- change my life, choose my story. What's one thing that they could go do right now? I would say set a timer, not if you're driving, but I mean, if you can just talk to your your phone, uh, set a timer for a random time in the day. Um, and the alarm should be, what story am I telling myself right now? Mm. And when that alarm goes off, just randomly throughout the day, look at it and say, and stop and quick catch the inner chatter that's, that's happening. Um, if all people get from this methodology, from this book, from our conversation right here is the awareness of the stories that we're telling ourselves on default, change will happen. That will count as a win for me. So set an alarm an hour from now, two hours and 37 minutes from now to go off as a check. So you can ask yourself, what story is happening right now? Is that story serving me? Is it going to help move me towards where I want to go? Or do I need to choose a better one? Very cool. Kendra, thank you for taking the time. This was fun. Uh, For my listeners, where can I point them in your direction? The book comes out in January. The floor is yours. Uh, Go ahead and promote anything that you've got going on. Yeah. So the book comes out January 11th, 2022. Best to order it at chooseyourstorychangeyourlife.com. There you'll have the links to all the different book buying places, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, but you'll also get some uh, bonuses that are available. Like I'll send you a signature so you can have a signed copy. Um, so go to chooseyourstorychangeyourlife.com, pre-order or order the book there, depending on where you're listening to this. And of course, I'm all over social media. Um, the easiest thing is Instagram at Kindra, K-I-N-D-R-A-H-A-L-L. Uh, lots of stories happening there. And I love to connect there as well. So that's where you can find the book. That's where you can find me. I hope to see you. Perfect. Thank you for taking the time, guys. We'll see you next week for another episode on the My Fit Podcast. Take care.